When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10, that's podcast10, to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Now, to the top analysis of today's crypto markets. FDIC, Treasury and the Fed step in with emergency action after the failure of two more banks, SVB and Signature. U.S. stock markets opened half an hour ago. Looks like most major indices are fractionally higher on a percentage basis. Crypto markets have been rallying. Welcome to this special edition of Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. I'm Ash Bennington. If you're thinking, what the hell is going on after waking up this morning? This is the perfect place to find out. I'm joined by a stellar panel of guests. Real Vision CEO and co-founder Rao Pal is with us. Angie Lau is co-CEO of Forecast Labs and editor-in-chief of Forecast News. And Chris Whalen is chairman of the Whalen Global Advisory Group. Welcome to the show, everyone. Great to hear, Ash. Ash, I, I, Rao, I know we have you for a very limited time. You're joining us from Austin, Texas, where you're at South by Southwest. Let's not waste it. Give us the 50,000-foot view of what's happening since Friday and tell us why we're talking about this on a crypto show, Ralph. Yeah. So there's a number of levels here. I'll try and keep it short because I'm sure Chris will go into much more detail because he's much more experienced than I am. But what is going on is there's been a flight of deposits leaving the smaller banks in the banking system. Um, that amalgamated in Silicon Valley Bank and... Um, Signature Bank going under over the weekend, but an ongoing run on the banking system. Now, a run now has changed somewhat. Obviously, the authorities have stepped in and said that they will guarantee depositors and also help with the mismatch of duration, which is banks borrow short and lend long, but their bonds portfolios are underwater, even though they've just invested in treasuries. And if depositors leave, they have to unwind some of that part, which is the long part, and they're underwater. So suddenly they create these huge losses, and that's the systemic problem that's going on. Now, what was happening is people were being incentivized to flee because they're seeing what's going on, wondering, am I going to get my deposit back? So the answer is, go to a different bank. You know, JP Morgan wins the world as everybody moves over. So they tried to stop that saying, hey, listen, your deposits are safe. So they've kind of underwritten the entire banking system and also underwritten these mark-to-market losses uh, as deposits leave the system. Okay, all well and good. The issue is here is it's ongoing. This is not resolving the real problem, which is the deposits are still leaving the system. They're leaving the system for two reasons. One is economic slowdown. So everyone draws down on their cash balances over time. And secondly, um, the small banks are offering half a percent interest rates on deposits. And CDs are offering 5%. So money just goes to the CDs. 
And so that's deposits leaving the system. And this continues. And it, the reason why deposits are half a percent and not 5% is the yield curve is so inverted. So therefore, they can't borrow short, lend long. So they have to kind of f falsely create a yield curve where it's half a percent so they can then lend it out. So that's the problem that they're facing. And that's why the banks remain under pressure today, because actually the issue is here, strip out all of the idiosyncratic risks from all of the banks, is the yield curve is too inverted for the banking system to make money. And so the share prices remain under pressure and the depositors keep leaving. So what we end up with is negative equity in the banking system. So it's a bigger problem than people understand. My entire view here is that they're going to have to steepen the yield curve and cut rates and probably do QE as well. So I think that's on the cards to come. I know everybody thinks the inflation's sticky. I think a banking crisis is the single most important marker of a deflationary um, process and is deflationary in its own right because bank lending reduces rapidly. So that slows down the economic growth. Also jobs stop. Um, yeah, people start getting laid off because there's no access to capital. So all of that process is underway. Why does it matter for crypto? Sorry, it's a bit of a soliloquy here, but why does it matter to crypto? The crypto market is driven by, um, well, firstly, there is, this is part of this choke point 2.0, where anybody who has access to the crypto market, any bank goes under, but it's much bigger than that. So they think it's going to be that, and it looks like it's a smart move. They can get Signature Bank out and Silicon Valley Bank and Silvergate Bank out. But the actual issue is the next one is Republic or First Republic or whoever it's going to be, right? Because they've all got the same problem. So it's actually a system-wide issue. So, okay, if they're blocking crypto out of the system and this is the banking system creaking at the seams, why is crypto rallying? Well, pretty straightforward, A, you can't get your money out. And we've seen this periodically and that tends to keep money in circulation within that system. Um, but secondly, uh, crypto is a function of, of uh, liquidity and it's forward-looking. I've been saying this for a long time, is the crypto markets figured out that, and much like the, the kind of long-duration assets of technology figured out that the Fed will have to pivot at some point. Um, and that Fed pivot is positive for whether it's money supply growth or the Fed balance sheet over time. And that's why crypto does quite well in this environment and tends to outperform. We saw similar when the Fed stopped in 2018, December, 2018, the next year, crypto was up 300%, you know, equities were up, you know, technology was up 25%, uh, the S&P was up 15%. So net net, there's, there's a negative force of this forcing people out of crypto. There's a massive negative issue with what's going on in the banking system. And that will continue until they start cutting rates aggressively. Um, and it's positive for risk assets over time because more cowbell. <laughs> Rao, I know you only have a few minutes with us and we're going to speak with Chris and Angie shortly, uh, but I wanted to just get to your uh, reaction on two points, market-based measures that we're looking at right now, two things that you alluded to. Uh, first, I'm looking at two-year treasury yield. My God, 100 basis point swings. This is not normal for folks who only watch equity markets. This is not typically something that happened. Another point that you mentioned there, First Republic Bank, FRC, gapping down massively at the open uh, some 70%. This was trading. Uh, this was trading. Uh, looks like on my screen going back uh, a couple of uh, a couple of days, midweek, early last week, around 120 bucks. Trading right now at my screen at 24 dollars. Uh, reaction to what's happening in Treasuries and what's happening to 
these banks that seem to have similar exposure based on the market reaction round? Well, the market's figured out the issue, um, which is that even if you underwrite the depositors, the problem still remains. Hence, the, the uh, CRE index keeps going down, the small banks index, the regional banks. So that doesn't stop. And the two-year treasuries are like, yeah, you've screwed this up. Rates are too tight. Uh, and that has to get unwound because there's nothing like a banking crisis to tell you where the rates are the wrong level. I mean, it's classic stuff, right? You've never seen a banking crisis without a rate cut ever in history. So that's, you know, that's, that's what the market's figured out very fast is that, you know, strip away all of the noise, rates are too high for the banking system to deal with. Well, I know you've got to run, but I want to ask you one other quick question. Since this is a crypto show, could this be the moment that folks, particularly in the Bitcoin community, have been talking about where we see digital assets begin to become an alternative, at least at some level, uh, or a flight to quality play, an off-the-grid storage mechanism, the digital e-gold use case that so many Bitcoiners are so passionate about? Could this be that moment? Well, look, I first got into Bitcoin in 2013 for this very reason, because I lived the European banking crisis, which is very similar to this. Um, and we realized that nothing we owned in banks was ours. And even if they backstop the system, it backstops it with monetary printing eventually. So that lowers the value of your assets over time. So you're kind of trapped into this. So Bitcoin was the answer that I saw then. And that's why I got into the whole thing at that time. Um, that case is still here. Now, um, they have guaranteed the deposit base. So it's not as obvious that you're going to lose your money by keeping it in the banking system. So it's not a no brainer, but the, the, the understanding that to offset what they're doing, right? There's always a payment for something here. An eventual payment comes down the line is that it'll end up on the Fed balance sheet and all monetary easing and therefore uh, scarce supply assets tend to do better. And so crypto does well. So yes, I mean, it's exactly what it was built for. I mean, don't forget in the white paper itself was the thing about the, uh, the, the governor's bailing out the, the banking system again. These aren't bailouts, but they're still a use of monetary policy to um, paper over cracks in the banking system, which is still comes down to the one thing is we have too much debt. And yeah. in, a, in debt, when you've got too much debt, you end up with rolling crises of different types. And crypto had created its own crisis by, by creating leverage on top of itself, which is a dumb thing and an 80 volt asset. But at core, if you can just take an asset and stick it like you can with gold and you can with essentially T-bills and Treasury Direct, you're safer. But Treasury Direct, the value of your, the purchasing power of your dollar over time due to the effects of the increase in balance sheet are reduced. And therefore, you want to be in things that don't get reduced in value as more money comes into the system. Yeah, it's always the leverage. This is what crypto is built for. This is what Real Vision is built for. Ralph, I know you've got to jump to some Texas meetings. Final thoughts before we lose you. Yeah, this is exactly, you know, we've been doing this whole series of how to unfuck your future. The part of why the future is so screwed up is because of the leverage. And the leverage is a function of demographics. The leverage is a function of a number of things that we've gone through on Real Vision. The point being is digital assets have a role within this. They're not for everybody, but this is a crypto show. So a lot of people watching this are actually interested. Other people will find other ways to navigate this. You know, some people will traditionally use gold and that should be fine too. So, um, keep your eye on the situation as it evolves. Um, you know, not your keys, not your coins, keep everything 
as you can out of the system. Realize that they're trying to close the fiat on ramps and off ramps as well to crypto, because that's another part of this whole equation. So just make sure you're all set up and carefully balanced for what comes out. And I appreciate you. Appreciate you joining us from the road. Yeah. All right, guys. Have fun. Thanks a lot. Take care out there. Thanks, Raul. Let's bring in Angie Lau and Chris Whalen. Chris, let's start with you, your reaction to what Raul has said. Crypto, the uh, federal bank regulators have basically decided to make it uh, illegal to use crypto in the United States, at least insofar as it has a, a connection with banks. So, you know, it, it's nice to talk about this, but I know a lot of people in the crypto community. I know some of the biggest players, in fact, and most of them are transitioning to other strategies because you either have to move offshore totally, or you have to deal with the onshore reality. And if you look at both the Signature, unfortunately, and Silvergate, in each case, once the regulators made it clear that they view crypto as an unsafe and unsound banking activity, um, the people in the industry got to back away. That's it. They have no choice. So, you know, as far as the rest of it, the dollar was the original crypto asset, uh, if you really think of it. And I think that, sure, there are going to be more, yes. But I see crypto as mostly surviving offshore as a means of exchange for countries that don't have currencies. I have a lot of friends in the emerging world who use Bitcoin as their, their dollar. But then you have a lot of the emerging world that is indexed to dollars then. Okay. It's really quite stri uh, striking how, mm -hmm. how the dollar has taken over so many countries and, and effectively dollarized them other than the fact of getting rid of their own currency. Yeah, Uruguay, my wife is from Uruguay. Everything in Uruguay is indexed to dollars other than the local currency. So, you know, but the, the U.S. is responding as you might expect uh, to this mess. They did not anticipate it. Nobody asked Jay Powell about banks last week. Uh, nobody heard him mention the word bank. And so they were clearly flat-footed. And you can see this because FDIC didn't have time to sell the bank. They had the stand-up bridge bank which is something from the 1930s. During the 2008 crisis and after, the FDIC sold almost 500 banks. And only in a couple of instances did they have to set up a temporary bank to just kind of catch the depositors the next business day. So this indicates you how fast things are moving. Um, the short sellers were working on Silicon Valley Bank for two months, uh, spreading rumors about the institution, and that caused, obviously, the... Uh, the business customers of the bank to flee. And I think Raul said it very well with respect to small banks. That's what's going on. But honestly, guys, the Fed should buy back every single security that was issued in 2020 and 21. This is their problem. Janet Yellen did this. But I'm astounded that woman still hasn't resigned. I really am. Don't let her on television again, by the way. Sunday was close to a disaster. Having her on TV without a plan. Uh, that was a really bad idea. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. Angie, um, Chris's comments there, obviously very sobering this morning. You were both a crypto native uh, and a resident of Asia. From those two perspectives, what are you seeing? I just want to follow up on uh, both Chris and Raul. Uh, totally, totally um, agree that, you know, one of the biggest things when we see about this crisis, and it truly is a crisis, is there is a nature of self-fulfilling prophecy here, just in the same way that we don't want to talk about recession uh, publicly, and then it absolutely happens. Uh, Post-global uh, financial crisis, we saw that. Uh, there was a lot of fear base there. There's a difference when the institutionals and the governments, uh, very specifically to Chris's point, must have a very disciplined language here. And one of the biggest signals is President Biden coming out today with public remarks to uh, not only the U.S. public, but to the world about the credibility and the the functionality and the stability of the, and what I heard was the U.S. banking system, mm. that the FDIC had to, uh, that it was safe, the depositors' monies were safe, that politically he had to throw in that no taxpayer dollars would be used here. Now, this is, as Raul and Chris very accurately say, and I absolutely, uh, you know, whether or not people uh, agree to this sentiment is this is not an isolated incident. This is not going to be cleaned up. I think the the pause button has been pushed. And that is a very, very important pause button. Uh, and uh, but it is it is certainly not the kind of backstop that we hope will uh, arrest this series of events. Uh, what we're seeing internationally, to Chris's point, is absolutely true. In Asia, uh, for the past decade, um, got their post-financial crisis, but we saw the rise of Asian economies on the heels of that, but through quantitative easing. There was a lot of money flushed into the global economy. The only reason why global financial crisis recovered uh, within a short period of time, frankly, uh, was through, yes, austerity programs in Europe that triggered another set of series of crises. But in Asia, it was also uh, the not necessarily the quantitative easing, but the helicopter money that we saw in Japan, and certainly the, the, uh, the monies that China put into the global economy that inflated the recovery at a speed which was artificial, quite frankly, uh, and inorganic. Uh, but on the heels of that, that is that is our capital system. Um, and how ironic that uh, it took a authoritarian, authoritarian regime to dump money into the global economy um, to help it recover. But we saw a lot of growth there. But we're also seeing how how this is this eventually catches up to you, whether or not it is uh, you know that resolution or the quantitative easing, it's all catching up to us right now. And to, it, it all boils down to trust. And when, and when President Biden has to come out and say, 
that the FDIC is going to uh, uh, make sure that the depositors' dollars are safe. Right. It does bring huge concerns into the wider banking industry. Now, the issue is if everybody draws out their money, the whole system is done. But that's the point. Everybody needs to participate. This is our turn to pay our tax. Okay? It's not every man for himself. We are living in a very interconnected global economy. And right. crypto is an integral part of that. Angie, very important comments, particularly from a global perspective uh, on how this crisis is unfolding. I wanted to go back to Chris for one moment. Chris, we appreciate you beginning uh, this conversation by talking about crypto. This is a crypto show. Uh, for folks in the crypto community, uh, you are one of truly the world's leading experts on the U.S. banking system. Uh, let's go back to last night, your reaction to the joint statement from the Treasury Department, FDIC, and the Fed. Uh, give us your thoughts on the actual mechanics of how this bailout has been executed. Well, they're, they're doing what you would expect, which is that if, if you have a sudden surprise, you have to deal with it with liquidity. William McChesney Martin said, you lend and lend and lend until the crisis goes away. And, you know, I would disagree uh, with the Inchi. The, the, the balance of, of cash flows in and out of China and in and out of the United States are very different. Uh, the fact that China recycled dollars at that point in time is interesting. But the overall destruction of value inside the Chinese system is monumental. I mean, Belt and Road, all the rest of it is is put China in a position now where they have to limit outflow. They are kind of heading back down to the nadir, if you think of it. You have political uh, tightening. You have a, a campaign against corruption, all the rest of it. And that indicates that the system is running out of cash. Uh, eventually, they'll reopen and let the cash back in. Remember, they were allowing people to invest all over the world for years. Um, so don't necessarily take the ebb and flow of cash, either from Japan or China, as indicative of anything. Um, and in the U.S., you know, what we're going to see is that the Fed is not going to restart QE so much, but they're going to have to buy back all of those Ginnie Mae 2s, and they even own some one and a halfs that nobody wants and nobody can own because there are points underwater. You know, this morning, SOFR is at 5%. So if you have a Ginnie Mae 2 and you're paying almost 6% for money today, to the earlier point Raul made about deposit costs, well, nobody wants this paper. So the Fed is going to have to buy it back from the banks. And they're going to have to admit that quantitative easing, the early parts were necessary and good, but really from 2012 on, this was progressive, uh, wishful thinking. Uh, that this would somehow help employment. You know, Janet Yellen was pounding the table saying inflation is too low. I, you know, to me, this past 10 years has been a walk. Uh, we've been sleepwalking. We have lost our bearings in terms of how we run our economy, and we've allowed ourselves to do ridiculous things. And, you know, it's like that line in Gladiator when Russell Crowe says to the Roman emperor, the time for honoring yourself is rapidly coming to an end. And I think in the U.S., we're going to have to go back to basics. It's not so much austerity, but we got to stop behaving like drunken Argentines. That's the problem. Uh, we need to have serious people in positions of authority and responsibility in our government. And we don't have that. Uh, we have other crises, by the way, that are bubbling away right now in the mortgage market. And there is nobody in the Biden administration who has the capacity to deal with these things. 
or whether you're talking about the Fed or the Treasury or any of these other agencies, we have people that don't know what they're doing. And that's the biggest concern I have. And it's going to help crypto, by the way. <laughs> uh, our audience will love to hear that. Chris, you just unpacked a case uh, that's very serious in terms of uh, broad-based macroeconomic unmooring. Correct, Chris, on, on one of my points, though. So if Chris, if if you if you had listened to what I said, the artificial dumping of money, everyone is paying this back right now. China and and even Japan right now are so uh, is absolutely uh, we're seeing the after effects of this this dumping of money. Okay, and you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, Mark Mobius can't even get his money out. Uh, I've existed yeah. in that banking system. You should have done I've better. Can, well, can I give a little bit? Well, ask, a little bit. Quite of frankly, yes. Excuse me. Excuse but me. this is also. And yes. excuse me, one minute, please. Can we give a little bit of context for the Mark Mobius story for folks who may not uh, be familiar with it? Mark Mobius has long been uh, a China bull, uh, and there have been some challenges mm -hmm. now. Uh, let's give us the context on that for people who may not know. Yeah, so Mark Mobius, father of emerging markets uh, and and really a legend in this space, created the uh, uh, inroads of 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 investing into emerging markets, um, and you know was very is uh, remains very bullish. Created that entire market of which uh, a lot of us participate, and by us I mean anyone who is uh, in the investment world. Anyone who is an investor, uh, these are products that are now uh, 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 top shelf products. That that, but once upon a time, they absolutely were not that. So so one could say that he was the father of emerging market investing, and um, he uh, has kept uh, uh, obviously some of his personal wealth in the Chinese banking system, and now has uh, difficulty getting it out. Um, and uh, what does that mean? That means that the bureaucracy and the administration restricts him, um, that capital outflow issue is 100% an issue. Uh, they're, they're, people, people the reason why, the reason why, and uh, side point, China has banned crypto is, is one of these reasons, is because these, this was an exit rail for a lot of Chinese um, uh, Chinese uh, uh, residents to try to get their money out of the domestic system. Um, it is highly restrictive. And even for a foreign national like Mark Mobius with domestic dollars in China, he is only experiencing what everybody experiences in China, which is it is hard to get your money out, especially if China decides that that's not what they want you to do. Um, and so uh, uh, apparently, according to latest reports, um, w one of the reasons why why he can't get his money out is because he has not been he's been requested to produce 20 plus years of how he made yeah. his money that yeah. got into that bank account. Well, oh I better start my paperwork for my six year old right now. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, when, it, when you saw but I also money. don't have. Yeah. Yeah, but when you saw Chinese issuers rushing off to Switzerland, which is a crappy market to do financing, you know, it tells you that the U.S. sanctions are starting to bite. Uh, my fear is we're going to see a cash crisis in China later this year, and that'll be kind of the, the you know, 
uh, roaring finale of months of financial instability that started in the U.S. Wouldn't that be ironic? Angie, thoughts? I think I think we are beyond irony. I think it would be devastating and for the entire global market. Uh, let's not mistake ourselves uh, and think that we are living uh, on an island protected by many. Uh, in fact, we are not. Um, the whole, po except potentially the parallel system that is called crypto, but it has been hobbled by events outside the technology and through greed and fraud. So that that aside, the crypto industry, uh, the technology itself is a very interesting parallel system that potentially could be uh, 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 an exit ramp um, and, and or protective kind of layer on top of, we are a very interconnected world. The fact that uh, Asia adoption in crypto is by far the highest in the world, uh, including LATAM as well, should give us pause as to why and why there is a critical importance to crypto. Because these banking, Latin America very specifically, the banking system is, is I mean, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, a joke. Um, the 300% interest rates for standard transactions of regulated banks to its businesses is beyond prohibitive and a joke. It is onerous and it is draconian. Uh, and so you have a lot of adoption of cryptocurrencies in these areas. In emerging markets in Asia, you're seeing this type of adoption through, yes, a very, it's outside the US system. Uh, there is a, a high sophistication of banking uh, services and systems in some countries, but certainly not in all. And when you saw uh, the emergence of cryptocurrency in China, the miners who were there, the uh, early adopters, uh, Vitalik Buterin can really thank China for the survival of Ethereum in the early days, the nodes that were coming out of China. This is reflective of a people crying out for some alternative. Uh, but because they are living in a system that exists also for its its constituents, yeah. but maybe doesn't necessarily, but top Andrew, down to central. Hey, everyone, we're going to take another quick break and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I need to jump in here for a minute because I know Chris has got to leave us in a few. Uh, obviously, the context you provided here, invaluable. 
for global markets, emerging markets, Asian markets, and China specifically, Angie. I want to turn this conversation back, though, to the balance of the time that we have, Chris, to what's happening in the United States. Uh, obviously, Chris, you made some very uh, sobering remarks about the position that the United States finds itself in from a much broader macro perspective than simply the challenges that we're having uh, with the banks right now uh, that have been listed in that statement signature uh, and uh, SBB specifically, uh, SBB, excuse me, specifically. Chris, give us the context here for where we are from a broader macro perspective, because I found your comments, quite frankly, chilling in terms of where the US economy is headed. I think interest rate hikes are done. The structural changes that the Fed made to the bond market, which are now infecting the banks, uh, are just you know beyond the pale. They can't do this. And I think they're starting to come to grips with this. I have been speaking to people in the government all weekend, mostly the professional career bureaucrats, by the way, who are trying to hold the system together. And, you know, they're going to do the right thing. They're going to support the banks. The FDIC, which is essentially a mutual insurance scheme for the banking industry, is going to end up paying the net costs or if there's losses on any bank uh, takeovers, the industry is going to pick up the tab, as they did in 2008. Other than the city, uh, they basically paid the entire uh, freight. And that's as it should be. But the Fed needs to take responsibility for the portion of this that has caused this crisis. And I think what are, you know, big picture, it means the fight against inflation is basically over. They will probably end up having to drop short-term rates, as Raul said. You always have to do that in a situation like this. And then they'll probably leave rates where they are, which is not great. That is not a good thing either for stocks or bonds, but I think honestly, it's it's probably a, a more stable formulation than just rushing in and driving rates back down. That's going to cause problems too. Imagine the margin calls you would see if we had a real decline in interest rates. Uh, I don't think the street could take that having already been traumatized on the way up. So what I'm hoping for is that uh, they're going to learn from their mistakes and they are going to start trying to take volatility out of the equation. You know, if we could go a few years without seeing the Fed raise or lower interest rates more than 150 basis points, then the system can fix itself. But you know, like the 1930s, what are we doing today? We're buying time. That is the key. We are trying to buy time for banks and others to get ahead of this so we don't have a, a deflationary spiral. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to throw money at this until the problem goes away. But listen, guys, have a great day. It's wonderful to talk to all of you. We'll have to do it again. Chris, I hope we can do it uh, again soon. All right. Be well. Uh, Angie, let's go back to you talking about the context of where we are here in the U.S. Are you following the story uh, that Chris just articulated uh, in terms of the broader macroeconomic picture here in the United States and its potential ramifications uh, for the U.S. economy? Uh, and therefore through those channels to the crypto ecosystem. What's happening in the US uh, is is very concerning. And the interest rate environment has been something that has been rippled out through the international community. Obviously, a lot of countries peg to their currencies to the US dollar, which means it is um, uh, basically having to having to incept the Federal Reserve policy into its own economy, whether or not it makes sense or not. So um, 
whether or not there's high inflation or lack thereof in in certain countries. Let's say that there is not. And yet now we're depressing the economy to slow down the 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 circulation of uh, use of currencies in a, in a country that actually is already hobbled uh, and is is in a in a recessionary mode. That's that's also very dangerous. So th these are these are formulaic equations that have ripple effects. There's no doubt. And I think the other important part is. Quite frankly, what has happened with Silvergate and um, and Signature Bank? These are two large crypto-serving banks for the world, not just in the United States, but for the industry. And in a very disintermediated, uh, uh, decentralized community, it seems that there is a, a, a level of irony where we are decentralized and yet we still need to get banked. But the truth is, that that needs to happen. These are very interconnected worlds that need to be supported. And potentially the the institutionalized and regulated world is only starting to wake up to the importance of that today. The fact is, you know, if projects around the world, and there are many across Asia that, that are immediately uh, hobbled uh, by the inability to access funds and the inability to actually use credit facility and do payroll. This is a yeah. this is a really critical juncture in the industry. So we could talk about yeah. circulation of money all we want. The macro economy is made up of businesses. It's yeah. made up of people and businesses and ideas. We talk about leverage as a financial function, okay? But there's we're leveraging hard work and talent from nothing to build up into something. That's leverage. We're leveraging our own talent and productivity. That's leverage. That's real leverage. But both need to exist. Yeah, very well said, Angie, in terms of the, the broader context of uh, the way economies are built up, structured, and function. I wanted to take a look amid all of this uh, at some of what's happening right now in the crypto markets uh, with all the chaos ensuing cryptocurrency actually rallied, as we said at the top of the show, uh, that started even before the Fed's emergency action, which may be a bit counterintuitive to people who are watching. The total crypto car market cap right now is up about 11% on CoinGecko. So materially, uh, that means it's back above that critical psychological $1 trillion mark. Bitcoin has rallied 20% since the Friday low of 19,600 all the way up to 23,500 right now. It's up about 14% on a 24-hour basis. Bitcoin has now turned positive on a trailing seven-day basis. You know, this is interesting. It, it, you, you do wonder to what extent this is a, a regime shift in the way that markets view crypto. Uh, is it a safe haven trade? Uh, is it finally this question of, uh, of digital asset markets becoming the off-the-grid value store uh, that many people in the space, particularly Bitcoiners, believe they were intended to believe? Or mm. or is this a challenge with on and off ramps and the inability uh, of investors to access money? Uh, is it a switch over from USDC into Bitcoin? Lots of open questions we're going to be exploring uh, in the days, indeed the weeks to come. Uh, I also wanted to talk about Ether. Ether hit a high of $1,650. It's up some 12% over the past 24 hours. So you could say they're more of the same a similar percentage trading uh, relative to Bitcoin, obviously a broad-based rally on all that we have happening in markets, in global macro, in finance, uh, and in the regulatory uh, and uh, 
and oversight aspect of what's been been the response from governments uh, here in the United States uh, to this banking crisis. I wanted to check in with a couple of uh, our questions from viewers. We've got a lot of them coming into us right now. Andrew, do you have a couple of minutes to hit some of these? Of course, of course. All the time in the world for you, Ash. We've got two very similar questions here uh, about the on and off ramps. Uh, the first one comes uh, to us from Chuck on the Real Vision website. What are the on off ramps for fiat to crypto for those in the US? The second comes uh, from Don Bryant on YouTube. Is the Fed shutting down crypto on off ramps? Uh, Angie, want to talk about what's happening in terms of on off ramps here in the US? Well, I think, uh, I think it's getting more difficult to the day. I mean, especially uh, as uh, SVB went down, there was exposure to Circle, $3.3 billion hole that has been made. That that from the FDIC uh, uh, trifecta uh, uh, announcement with the Treasury and the Fed uh, basically put a stop to that. So now we're seeing a recovery in USDC. So there, that on-ramp is, and then that very important on-ramp, on-ramp, off-ramp is is still is still somewhat stable, and uh, the, so that avenue and that bridge is is still an opportunity for people. But look, uh, it, it is we are in an integrated world. This is not a parallel system that lives and exists on its own. We are the bridge. The humans are the bridge. The investors are the bridge. You are the bridge, uh, and. What we're looking for is an opportunity to get in and out with ease. That's what Silvergate did. That's what Signature Bank provided for a lot of firms uh, and SVB as well in terms of um, providing that that banking uh, yeah, exactly. and holding solution. So that's critical. But also to your point, Ash, you know, Bitcoin up, uh, Binance is also saying that it's going to convert a billion dollars worth of its stablecoin to Bitcoin, ETH, uh, and other tokens. So there's no doubt yeah. liquidity is coming into the market. But is it what kind? Is it is it the or is it the kind where we want to see the adoption coming from the outside in? It is circulating internally right. within this ecosystem right now. Yeah, what kind and under what circumstances? I think that's extremely well said. Uh, important to point to. Uh, precisely the two banks that you mentioned there, Silvergate uh, and now Signature Bank being major on off-ramps. I would also uh, talk when we're talking about this question of on off-ramps uh, about the ex regulated exchanges here in the United States, Coinbase uh, and Kraken specifically. We know we had comments uh, from the SEC staying, stating uh, just because your crypto exchange says it's a qualified custodian doesn't mean it is. That's a story that we're going to be watching closely uh, as it uh, continues to develop uh, let's do one more question here. Uh, this one comes from Kialani on YouTube. And the question uh, to you, Angie, is, is this the great reset? I really hope not. Uh, 2008 was a reset. Uh, we, have an, we have been stumbling and hobbled. Um, I don't think I, to hit, the great reset is going back to, Great Depression era. So let's 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 try not to hope for that. Um, not I'm not saying that anybody is, but the Great Reset. I hope, and I'll redefine the Great Reset. Should be in the thinking. Should be in the intellectual honesty of what's happening in the banking system. 
And instead of outsourcing, and th this is what I love about Real Vision uh, uh, and, and forecast readers and, and, and our ecosystem here, is because no one has outsourced the thinking to any one institution, to any one entity, to any one thing. Uh, in fact, there is a, a very real hunger to learn and to understand. Um, and so I hope for the greater macro economy. It is a great reset in terms of the intellectual honesty of how we want to function as a global entity that we we cannot just call crypto a drug-infested den for terrorists and terrorist financing. I right. mean, that that the falsehood, that is, it's funny, except it gets repeated back at, at a level which is, do, do you do you understand that that it's parroting somebody else's somebody else's interests in book, and and the great reset I hope is that there is an understanding that both systems need to coexist in a healthy way, and not hoping to win the business of uh, you know a bank um, and the competitor because it's self-serving to do so. The the in unintended consequences of that is what we're seeing today. Yeah. Angie, I think that's a great place to leave with those big picture philosophical points uh, that you've just made there. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Pleasure. That's it for now. We'll keep an eye on this situation, of course, throughout the day on Real Vision. Jeff Garzik and Matthew Rozak will join us live tomorrow. We'll be back at our usual time. Also, make sure to check out realvision.com as well. We have an important two-part series called How to Un-F Your Future. If you're some of the most visionary thinkers and investors we know, starting today, we move on to the second week of How to Un-F Your Future with some of the visionary thinkers uh, and investors uh, that you've just seen there on the screen. This week, we'll be exploring all the solutions with a lineup of true experts like Angus Shillington, John Kiampia, Dwight Anderson, and Imad Mostak. Go to realvision.com slash UNFK. That's realvision.com UNFK. I love that. Uh, to get free access. Uh, we're going to leave you with the trailer as we roll out. I should also say, check out Real Vision Daily Briefing today at 4 p.m. Obviously, we're going to be continuing our coverage of this conversation, of all of these stories there. See you tomorrow at 9 a.m. noon Eastern, 5 p.m. London time, live on Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Have a great morning, everybody. If we want to change the outcomes for this really screwed up world, where our wages don't go up, where we're being replaced by technology, where governments are massively in debt and we foot the bill via taxes, where we see debasement of assets so we can't afford as many assets as we like, so the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. If we don't like to see the rise of populism based on this broken society because the promises of the future have been broken, let's make our promises to our future selves come right. And that's by unfucking your future. Some of this is going to really fuck your future in 20 or 30 years' time, but we've got time to figure that out because it's unstoppable. Mm -hmm.